God, in the stillness, come meet us. Amen. So one of the ways that I used to love to pray was by going um, to the sanctuary of my home church um, during the week, especially when I was a teenager. And I, I used to love to go in that sanctuary when nobody else was there. And our sanctuary had a chancel area that was bright red carpet, covered in bright red carpet. And all the way around, there was a, a circle around it of uh, kneelers, right, with an altar railing. And I used to love to go kneel on that red carpet and get the indention of that stiff red carpet on my knees. And I remember sometimes I would fold my hands and bow my head and pray, and other times I remember looking up and there was this cross suspended in the middle, uh, right above the altar, that I love to just gaze up at. Now, there are lots of different postures for prayer, but so often maybe we get stuck in just one way to pray. There is an article uh, written by Bronwyn Lee in which she describes how she used to pray. Okay, She said, I used to pray when I laid my head down on my pillow at night. And that was a way to do my nighttime prayers. But the truth was, she said, that usually she would fall asleep before the prayer actually really got going. And then she said she always felt like her body betrayed her. You know, And then later she thought, wait a second, perhaps I should use a different posture for prayer that would keep me awake, right? There's something about the way that we use our bodies, right? There was a time that um, Bronwyn Lee describes that she saw a man in church, and he, instead of praying like this, he was praying like this. And she asked him, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And he said, you know what? It reminds me that I bring nothing to God, and that I'm open to receive whatever it is that God wants to speak to me, to give to me in these moments of prayer. So we are beginning a series on prayer this morning, looking at different ways to pray. And today, as you hopefully have picked up by now, we're talking about how we might pray using our bodies, right? But there is something so important about bringing all of ourselves into prayer. And some of these ways of praying in color, with our breath, with beads and knots, some of them may be new, some may be unfamiliar, and some may be old hat to you, like, yes, I'm so excited my church is going to talk about these things, right? So all of these ways of prayer are ways for us to enter into a journey of discovery. And so I invite you to be open as we embark on this journey together. But one of the definitions that I have long loved of prayer is that prayer is paying attention. Paying attention to our lives, paying attention to the ways that God is moving in our lives, paying attention to God's presence. And there's a poem by Mary Oliver uh, that captures this, I think, so well. Mary Oliver writes, Praying. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. One of the things that research has shown is that our body language is a key component of communication, right? The children talked about examples of that. Even at a young age, we pick up on those clues about whether or not someone is paying attention to us. 
You know, when I was a kid, I used, to, I used to tell my parents stories, and sometimes they would be reading the newspaper, and they would just have the newspaper right up in front of their face, and I'd be talking and talking and talking, and they'd go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you know what? I didn't feel like they were paying attention to me at all, right? So these children in our midst, they've already picked up on that, right? When we put the paper down and we look at the person with our eyes, we can tell there's a connection there in a way that there wasn't before. But you know what? When we deliver a speech, right? When we prepare and deliver a speech, our body language communicates something to you. I, if I stand up here like this, this communicates something different to you than it would be if I was up here like... How do I look now? Nervous? Right? Or what about our body language, right? When we're having a romantic dinner with a loved one, we're going to be leaning in close. We're maybe going to be scooted over close next to them. Maybe there's a hand on the leg or you're holding hands or an arm around the shoulder. That's totally different, right? Than when you're in a business meeting and you're at a, a desk to do a negotiation. You're going to be sitting up straight. You're going to have your, your best kind of professional look on. You're not going to get too close to anybody in that situation, right? And our bodies are communicating something in all of those moments. You know, studies have also shown that our body language can even influence communication over the phone when we can't even see one another. And the reason for this is that our own body language within ourselves influences our tone of voice, our inflection, the confidence with which we speak. In 2012, there was a social, social psychologist named Dr. Amy Cuddy who gave a TED Talk. And in this TED Talk, she include, in, introduced this concept of power posing. So this is a power pose, okay? And she introduced this to the business world. And she said, if you just do this before you go into an important business meeting and before you have to give a speech, your confidence will rise. Do you guys want to try it? Well, you have people next to you. <laughs> Sometime this week, just try out this power pose and see how powerful you feel. Superman, superwoman, right? And so she said that just doing this, her research showed that, that it, can, it can bring confidence within ourselves even when we don't actually feel confident. And her hypothesis that she went into the research, which proved to have some merit, was that body language not only affects how other people see us, but it affects how we see ourselves. I think that's what this does, right? It affects how we see ourselves. So then for me, the question becomes, how do we use our bodies in prayer? And truthfully, often we're not really conscious of this. We lay our heads on the pillow like Bronwyn Lee and fall asleep while we pray, or we default to, to, to those prayer poses that we were taught as a child, which are good, but we have stopped thinking about them, why we do them, or what they mean in our prayer life. And yet, our scriptures tell us a different story about prayer. This morning, Brian read for us from Psalm 84, 1 through 2. And this gives us the image of our, our souls longing for God, our hearts and flesh singing for joy to God. And this psalm is indicating that it's our whole bodies that we bring to God. It's all of who we are that is involved in the spiritual connection with the divine. And the truth is, all throughout our sacred scriptures, we have examples of many prayer poses. So here are just a few. Psalm 95, 6, 
looks, uh, says, come, let us worship and bow down, right? Let us kneel before God, our maker. So we kind of got the, the kneeling one down. That's a prayer we think, a posture we think of. But, but bowing, like really bowing, I guess that's where we get this, the bowed head, right? If we move on to the next one, Numbers 16, 22, they fell on their faces and said, Oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one person sin and you become angry with the whole congregation. When was the last time you fell on your face in prayer? We don't do this one, do we? But imagine what this is communicating with their bodies. I mean, this is, this is a plea to God, right? This is a sincere question from the heart that is expressed in all of who we are. The next one, 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire then that in every place people should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Oh, there's some churches that do that, but I don't know if we do here, right? We lift up, lift up hands in prayer as a way to offer ourselves to God. And then Luke twenty-two forty-one. Then Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. And so there's something certainly about kneeling in this scripture, but there's also something about going to an intentional space maybe a bit away from people or away from the chaos of life or away from the demands of your job, whatever it is that you need to get away from in that moment to connect with God. For me, where this gets really interesting is that even though we have these various prayer postures as examples, and there's, there's more in Scripture, this is just a sample. Throughout the Christian tradition, we have primarily defaulted to the, the, the folded hands and the bowed head. And in contrast, there are other religions that really integrate the body into the prayer and meditation more. Father Thomas Ryan writes, While Christians may have one, if not the, highest theology of the body among the religions of the world, they also have one of the lowest levels of embodied spiritual practices. In the Muslim faith, as we read this morning, there is a call to prayer multiple times a day, and there are prescribed movements of the body that go with each part of the prayer, right? And, and the movements of the body are meant to communicate something about what is being prayed. Kneeling, lying face down, turning the head from side to side. Or if we think of Buddhism, right, that there is a series of, of different poses in meditation, Hinduism incorporates yoga, movements of the body in order to meditate with greater stillness and focused awareness. In Judaism, there's uh, not so much prescribed movements, but there is this amazing word, nephis, which means mind, body, spirit, right? All in one word, to show that these things are intertwined and not separate parts of who we are. But for Christians, we have so often struggled with our bodies. We have used uh, language from the Apostle Paul that our flesh is weak, and in so many ways that has made us lose sight of the goodness that is inherent in our bodies. In Genesis, when you go through that first creation story, when things are created, God sees that it is good, and at the end, when human, human bodies are created, God sees that it is not just good, it is very 
And central to our message is incarnation, the story of God taking on human flesh, a body, to make the good news known to us. In the church, we use the language of embodying Christ's love, and the church being the body of Christ, our temples being a body for God, and we talk about partaking in the body broken for us when we come to this table. We have a body theology, and so to bring our bodies into our prayer deepens our conversation. It helps us to pay attention, to give all of ourselves to God. It helps us to notice. And so just as body language in our verbal communication with others can change our confidence in the way we see ourselves, I wonder if it could also be that the way we use our body in prayer could also change how we see ourselves. Roy de Leon writes in his book, Praying with the Body, he writes, Praying with the body works from the inside out. Could our bodies be a transformational part of prayer that we have been missing? I mean, think about in our lives, if we are in need of repentance, or if we are grieving, what does it feel like to let me face down on the floor as part of that prayer? as part of pouring our hearts out to God. And then to rise up and stand tall and proud with our arms outstretched and upward gaze to experience forgiveness or hope or redemption. There is something very powerful in the way we might have our bodies enter into prayer to work from the inside you know, one of the things that I already love about being part of CHUM is that we light the candles during our prayer time. Because there's this sense of intentionality, but also using our bodies, isn't there? That you rise from your, your place where you are seated, that you walk forward, you choose that candle, you, you light it, you see the flame, right? And then you see the smoke rising. There's something beautiful about that. There's something bodily about that. But there are other ways to enter into body prayer as well. You may do yoga. We, in fact, offer an MS yoga uh, class here at CHUM. And you may also do that at another uh, place where it lets you enter into that space of meditation. But you could also try Tai Chi out this week. They're starting a new session for the fall tomorrow night, 6 p.m. You could enter into that as another form of body prayer. But yet another way to enter into body prayer is by uh, using a prayer labyrinth. And so we have one. This is amazing, and we're going to use it this week. It's going to be available in the fellowship hall, and I already talked about it. It'll be Thursday from 10 to 4.30 and Friday 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. But we invite you to come by and to pray using your body. In addition, you have in your bulletin this morning a little finger prayer labyrinth. And it also has a guide. It talks about what a labyrinth is and why you use it. But on the inside, there's actually a guide for how to use the prayer labyrinth. And the idea is that it's not a maze. You can't get lost. But the idea is you, you trace the path with your finger until you make it into the middle. And you could follow this guide to, um, as, a, as a method for how to pray using the labyrinth. Or you can make up your own. right? You can ignore this and just use, use the pattern of the labyrinth. But the idea is, 
to pray with the body. You know, one of the strongest incarnations of the theology of the body is when we gather here at this table, right? Because not only when we gather are we the body of Christ, but we also come to break the bread, which represents the body. And we know that Jesus walked on this earth in a body, a body that got tired and scared and excited, a body that stood up and sat and laid down, a body that was both strong and vulnerable. And we see the depths of God's love in a broken body, bruised by the evils of this world and hanging on the cross. We know the power of God's victory over death in body that goes through walls, that is revealed in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so we come to this table to break bread and to share the cup. And so what I would invite you to do is to rise, to use your body to stand as we bless these elements of communion. And as I go through the prayer today, there may be points where I invite you to do something with your body. And I invite you to do that. Don't worry about the people around you. They're all doing the same thing, okay? So we will all be in this together. So as we come to this table, we acknowledge that we are imperfect people. And we know that there are things in our lives that we seek forgiveness for. And so I invite you to imagine putting things in your fists and to clinch them, to hold tightly to those things in your life that you want forgiveness for. And in this moment of silence, to squeeze those tightly. And then when you are ready, open your hands and lift them up to God as you receive forgiveness and love and grace through Jesus Christ. And then drop your hands down to your side, but leave them open with your palms facing up. You know, as we come to this table, one of the things that we remember is that Jesus came to the table of friends, with disciples, right? People on the spiritual journey with him. And so I invite you to look, look at those around you. Make eye contact with somebody next to you. Smile. Remember that these are people who journey with you together, just as the disciples journeyed with Jesus. Give thanks for these companions. You know, it was during this familiar meal that Jesus did something new. That he lifted the bread, he broke it, he offered to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so as I lift and break the bread, I invite you to pretend like you have an imaginary loaf of bread in front of you. Would you lift the bread with me? And would you break it? And then give it to the people around you. Give them love. When the meal was over, Jesus poured the cup. He lifted it up and gave it to the disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so let us lift the cup together. And then give it to one another. 
as we offer forgiveness. And now I invite you to raise your hands and stretch them out. This is a sign of blessing, blessing others. Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon each person gathered here today. Upon these gifts of bread and fruit of the vine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. So that as we partake of this meal, we might be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Oh God, by your spirit, make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I invite those who are serving to come forward at this time. 